Who is it? Hey guys, the Strong Boys 19 here, and you are listening to Claim the Throne Bloodcast. Yeah. You're listening to the Claim the Throne Bloodcast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2016. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Welcome back to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast. I'm Cabba. And I'm Ash, and it's great to be here on the Claim the Throne Blodgecast, where maths tells us that on average you have received one free podcast every three weeks for the last three years. And we're here today with a very special guest, Nettie Noodle. How are you today, Ned? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. I'm glad you could make it today and are not sick. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, sweet. Um, <laughs> Do you mean sleep? I'm sleep. <laughs> no, we're not really. We're just taking the piss here. Uh... <laughs> I'm actually Ned, and uh, that's Jesse that you heard on the girl voice. Uh, we saw the beards last night. It was pretty good. Did you guys enjoy it? Actually, speaking of Neddy Noodle, the mm. bass player looked exactly like him. He did look like a, uh, a hat swell big time. Yeah, mm. and he was wearing a hat as well. <laughs> <laughs> swell. Yeah, he was. No, I thought they were really good. Really good live show. Yeah, I'd never seen them before. I knew they were funny, and I'd heard the songs, but didn't realise they were actually mint musicians. Yeah, oh. re- really tight. Yeah, quite inspiring. Makes me want to sing better. Makes yeah. me want to play better. Mm. Also, they played an acoustic set and then a headlining set. For all you bands losing shitloads of money on tour out there, um, something like that can really add value to your live show um, because then you, you cut out the need for extra support bands and you take more of the lion's share. But i got to tell you, man, that Rosemount Hotel was fucking crowded as hell. I, we could barely see for a lot of it. Yeah. And um, tickets were 35 bucks, which was quite reasonable. And then those guys played two sets of dynamite, hey. But I actually preferred the acoustic set more. We were only just talking about that in the kitchen five minutes ago over a shot of Jägermeister. And we were saying that, um, yeah, do the maths, like five, six hundred people times $35 times however many shows they're doing on this tour. Get out of here, right. eh? That is good. And even if that's one of the bigger ones, just pulling like two or 300 people a night for a capital city show and two, one or two regional shows in each uh, state, man, that's a huge tour. They um, they played Geraldton last night. Uh, no, Rockingham the night before. Sorry. Yeah. And that was packed Bunbury. apparently. 400. Bunbury as well. Ugh, I don't no, know no. Oh, about. okay. They sorry. were doing a Bunbury show, I'm sure. They had a TBC of oh, yeah. two other shows and yeah. they didn't end up happening. So oh, it's okay. only Rockingham, Perth and then Geraldton, Geraldton today. tonight. Yeah. That reminds me how awesome it is including regional dates on an Australian tour. Yeah. At what any tour around the world for that matter. We were discussing the other day about how uh, even on the US tour we did last year, the best shows of that tour were, well, prob- pretty much the best turnouts and also the best sales in merch were not big cities. They were weird places that we actually hadn't even heard of before. Because the shows were so intimate. It's like that. And I don't know if they're more appreciative when people come to their, your towns or whatever, but. Um, also less competition less competition for sure so they they make make it count when people come to their towns but we've had that in australia as well where we've i mean we've only done a couple extensive tours i guess of australia but Mm. um one in particular where we did a couple of regional shows and they were wicked namely wagga wagga and (laughs) you do make fans for life when you go on shows like that and that reminds me of a band uh obviously you would have heard of king parrot who've done so much regional touring over a number of years before they've started doing all their huge global stuff this year, last year. And, um, yeah, they pretty good. they a solid fan base because of that. Yeah, 
And um, So tour tip number one, go to towns and stay out of the cities. Don't tour ever in cities. <laughs> yeah, because they did Bunbury, which is a regional spot south of Perth. And I think it was like, I don't know, 40 payers or something like that. Still a pretty solid night, especially for Bunbury, who's at the time their scene was sort of on the recovery with your new bands like Suffer and Rot, Death Dependent and um, Septillion, that mm. sort of thing, which is cool. And we all thought, you know, the King Parrot thing hadn't quite got to Bunbury. And the next time they came back and fucking smashed it in Bunbury. So there's a lot of, I say the word, value in actually returning to places that have been good the first time and just make them better. As opposed to, you know, the other way of touring is to just put yourself in front of a paying crowd in supporting a bigger band. But, you know, you don't reap as many rewards the first time, definitely. And it's, it is a gamble. You're just hoping that people in the crowd like you when mm. most of them are actually drinking, chatting, saying, oh, fucking look at these dudes on stage, you know? Like, yeah, that scene looks like a hobbit. Yeah, they're <laughs> waiting for the next band to come on. So you've got to make sure you're really bloody impressive and, you know, risk reward. Whereas when you're King Parrot, it wouldn't have cost them that much money to go to Bunbury. You know, they went down south in a friend's van, crashed on his couch. They drove back that night and... You know, 40 payers at a show that costs, I can't remember, let's say 15 bucks is still a decent little pay packet. Yeah, and they rake it in in merch every time without fail as well. And, yeah. Um, I mean, we found that even on the, these regional shows as well, that you'd get at least one or two people per gig who would just buy one of each at your merch stand. And if you've got heaps of stuff, fuck, that adds up. And yeah. they'll buy your beers. And I noticed actually last night a lot of the beards merch had sold really quickly. They they were they were out of most. So before they've even sizes. got to the main Perth show, exactly. they've pretty yeah. much sold all their merch. Yeah, well, exactly. Real good, eh? Yeah, I like really it. good band. Heaps of stage presence and yeah. yeah. So next time, um, well, when our new album comes out later this year, we'll definitely look into some more regional touring. So if you're listening and you live in a fucking shit town that we'd love to go to. Head to claimthethrone.com, the contact page, and tell us where it is and we'll fucking go there. <laughs> Speaking of that, what other Aussie bands are fucking good at the moment? As in, like, recording good shit and going on tour and not asking for extra money. Um, You mentioned someone last night. Who was that? Inverloc. Inverloc. Pretty excited about them. Uh, and I only really heard of them the first time, like, a couple of weeks ago, but... It's uh, uh, members who used to be in Disembowelment, which is old school days of fucking choke mm. uh, from over east somewhere. And um, yeah, they've just sort of flown under the radar. As far as I'm aware, haven't even been playing gigs or anything over here, but have signed to Relapse Records, so getting what, what like genre? rave reviews worldwide. It's really sort of brutal death doom. So like slow ass, doomy death metal, I guess. Yeah. Um, brutal vocals. Um, yeah, long sort of epic songs. Yeah, really good. Would recommend. Uh, but I'll yeah, I get excited that someone like that can just work hard under the radar behind the scenes, not make a big fuss and big deal in public eye on Facebook or anything. And um, yeah, get signed to on a worldwide record deal. And I assume and there are any new touring coming out. Well, I don't know. I mean, they're not young guys or anything. They've been in the scene for a long time. Yeah, but um a new band and they probably just you know work on what they are doing for a number of years and yeah don't um don't keep in everyone's face about it and go about their business uh pretty interesting i'd love to know how they actually scored a relapse deal 
Yeah, well, I assume that would maybe three? have something to do with their previous band. Whether Disembowelment were on Relapse, they may have been on the oh, okay. bigger band. Actually, uh, fun fact of the day, um, one Carl Sanders from Nile, I heard this through the grapevine, a.k.a. Um, Dicey's Word on the Street, <laughs> that uh, Carl Sanders from Nile only listens to like five metal bands and one of them is Disembowelment from Australia in the 90s. Really? Yeah, so not sure why that is just so original styled death metal, I guess. Mm. Um, but nonetheless, moderately interesting. Yeah, Pretty cool. we were talking about how not so much the Australian scene because realistically we know a bit about it. We know a lot of the players there, but on local levels we don't know that much about how the local scenes work except for bands that we've played with when we've toured. But as far as Perth goes, it's not. it's kind of like the crowds are dying off a little bit, or actually quite a lot recently. Um, and there's a lot of competition every weekend. There's always like a couple of gigs on at the same time. But there's also a lot of shit going on in the Doom scene and that kind of pulls a few people away from the metal scene as well. And yeah, it's real, it's real tricky to get a, a lineup together that's guaranteed to pull or it's actually possibly um, not going to happen. There's going to be like a large pulling unless you're getting a touring band in or something like that but um there's a lot to be excited about and of course uh the band grotesque who have been around for fucking generations um <laughs> uh releasing an album this year they're currently recording it and they're going whole hog with it instead of doing it with um you know local metal producer that sort of is pretty underground himself they've actually gone to friend of the show sam allen who formerly had Electric City Studios, they're recording out of Studio Underground with him. And, um, yeah, from from what I've seen, anyway, it's um, it's coming together pretty nicely so far. And I was chatting to Mark last night, and, yeah, and he's fucking more stoked on grotesque music than he's ever been. And, yeah, it's going to be cool to have one of the sort of the main death metal bands over the last 10 years in the Perth scene just, like, return to the front lines, you know, it's, I'm looking forward to it. And on a national scale, they probably don't, a lot of people might not know of them, so they could be perceived as another band that have just popped onto the scene all of a sudden with mm. this incredible album that will likely get worldwide uh, rave reviews as well. And the just the musicianship, you know, Trev is just fucking off the chain on drums. We watched some drum tracking of him and it's just crazy to see how good he actually is. And yeah, he's just been plugging away, practice makes perfect since he was young, you know. Mm. And it's just, yeah, like you say, it's going to look like he's just burst onto the scene as this dude. But He's been know, around for ages. Yeah, yeah, they did the national tour with Cryptopsy, didn't they? Yeah. Is that Cryptopsy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Cryptopsy. Yeah. They do a Cannibal Corpse songs as well? Or? Maybe. They, they've done a lot of Perth yeah, supports anyway. Yeah, fuck loads. So that's, that's pretty cool to see. Also, um, our friend Paulie Cottrell. It seems to be kicking a bit of ass at the moment in Cursed Earth. How would you describe their music? Um, sort of like back to the town with the windows down. Uh, <laughs> hardcore. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hard, hardcore with a tinge of uh, Paulie Cottrell's uh, textbook party violence style grind. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, party but, violence. But no, nah, they're doing really good things from all reports and in their, their headlining shows in Perth and pulling good numbers. Um, playing pretty regularly, getting uh, airplay on Triple J a fair bit at the moment actually as well. Day and night? Uh, mostly night, I think, on the specialist shows, but I'm pretty sure 
they did get a, a few tracks played the other day on International Women's Day because their vocalist oh, is a female. Yeah, oh, of course. That you yeah. wouldn't know when you hear the music. That's um, the problem, though. There's not enough vocals. metal on on during the day at tri- on Triple J. That's the biggest. Well, is radio still a thing? Like, no, who it's listens not really. to metal shows yeah, on radio? Metal, yeah, metalheads don't listen to Triple J really. I mean, but, they might tune in, um, yeah, to Full Metal Racket or whatever. Yeah, I only listen to Hack. <laughs> yeah. Which has got some pretty interesting things on yeah. there, but. I listen to Triple J during the day at work most of the time. Uh, and it's kind of cool to just keep in touch with what's being played on there at the moment. And But I guess as far as the heavy stuff goes, it pretty much they draw the line at you know, Parkway Drives and um, the band, Bring yeah. Me the Horizon and all yeah. that stuff, which is fine. I think that's pretty cool that that gets lots of airplay and whatever. And Parkway Drive are obviously someone we spoke about before and here with um, uh, they've started down the bottom now they're here. And, you know, having their DVDs where they're sleeping on the roads around Europe and, you know, doing everything humanly possible to get the smallest crappy shows. And yeah, pretty inspirational though. It is, and how it shows that that can work as well. Um, yeah. So good on them. It's always good when bands like that get exposure it just because it filters down to the, you know, to the underground and stuff like that. People are a bit more, instead of like the typical answer, oh, you're into heavy metal, so you must love Def Leppard, right? Mm-hmm. And now it... You know, it's obviously shifted to Metallica Black and um, maybe someone's heard of like Roots, Bloody Roots or something. And now, yeah, you, people say, oh, you mean like Parkway Drive? And mm. yeah, starting to get a lot closer to the actual source of, of real heavy music. Yeah. So, I mean, if someone who's just heard of Parkway Drive in the middle of the day in Triple J and haven't um, really been into metal before, and they go, wow, this is blowing my dick off. I want to hear more metal. Mm. But they don't have any connections to their local metal scene or don't really know where to begin. Perhaps they do tune into Full Metal Racket, and they're the sort of people that would be listening to those shows, I guess, Yeah, um, which is good for bands. So yeah, regardless, but- always good to get radio play, I think, still. And it's still a, a player in the uh, in the digital age of streaming and downloading of music, I think, because... I don't know, you can still, you tune into a radio station and people are, you have your professional people who are commenting on the music or making specific recommendations to you and I think it's still a cool media platform that probably won't die out anytime soon. It's just tough to find a radio, like you've got to pretty much have the Triple J streaming app. (laughs) Well, that's the other thing, you're not really tuning into radio anymore either, it's it's all digital and stuff. I know, but that, I think it still differs from your Spotify's and your Pandora's because you still get the people discussing what's being played on the radio. And yeah, and when albums are, I mean, when new songs when are played new on radio, <laughs> when new albums are played on the radio, um, yeah, people do put in their input and text in, and mm. yeah, so I guess that is kind of interesting. But yeah, yeah, it would be nice. There and you've be got your Twitters radio. and stuff now that are available. So if you are listening to Full Metal Racket or something similar, you can. Um, you can tweet him and he might read out the tweet on air and say this person thought this of that song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've spoken before how we listen to a bit of andrewhogue.com mm. streaming at home.com.au. That's some exciting shit, I reckon. Eh? Yeah, that's a that's a cool idea. When I first heard about it, I, I thought how many people are going to stream off their computer? But now we've got like a computer set up at home through the stereo and that's the first. It's easier to just put that on than it is to go through bloody iTunes and figure out what you want. how far some people are of the game, hey? Yeah. Like, how, did, how did he know that that was going to be a good idea? Well, he probably um, lost his bloody job. Well, I'll probably edit that out. He, <laughs> he finished up at uh, Triple J and thought, okay, I could go back to working an office job or I could parlay my 
um, previous sort of listenership into something different, what could it be? Should I go to back to um, 6PR, triple six, whatever the fuck the bloody local radio <laughs> is in, um, uh, in Melbourne? Or do I go for a big radio station or fuck it? Do I just do something DIY, maybe trust in myself, put in all the hard work myself? And follow through with my ideas and you never know, it could take off just like andrewhogue.com.au has. Good cunt. We should interview him, eh? Definitely. Yeah, I we should ring him guy. right now. You know what this whole thing reminds me of with people being ahead of the game? Do you remember years ago there was a band uh, called Double Dragon from Adelaide? Uh, I have heard of Leroy. Yeah, who are apparently making a comeback at the moment, which would be interesting. But when they changed their band name to Sons of Asena. Do you remember them making a big song and dance and a fuss about how they were only releasing their album on sonsofacena.com? They weren't going to physically print it and you couldn't get it anywhere else. You can only download it digitally from their own website. For free or for money? Uh, That's a good question. I can't remember. I do remember all that. But if that happened now, no one would really blink an eyelid. It's pretty normal, I guess. But five, six years ago, that's a pretty big move. Yeah. That maybe at the time would have seemed a questionable idea, but really they were seeing, looking forward and seeing what the future may hold. It, it's Nostradamus. Yeah. That, that's pretty interesting that they did that and that whether or not it worked or not, it doesn't, it doesn't mean the idea was crap if it didn't work. And who knows, maybe it actually did. And that's why they didn't play much after that because they were all fucking loaded. <laughs> you never know. And there's a lot of talk at the moment about cutting out the middleman and getting direct to fans, but... That shit is nothing new and the real way to cut out the middleman is to self-release stuff and you only need the middleman if you need someone to put up money for you or you need someone to promo you and stuff. So if you want to reach a really large audience, you've already got the internet. If you're not penetrating any markets with the internet, then you're either A, doing it wrong or you've got something that people aren't responding to. So it's, you know, I find it hard to hear people say that um, we need something to change or else we're never going to be... Um, able to create art fucking poppycock because every person i know almost every person that goes to gigs and watches us comes up to us and goes hey good show that was really awesome i'm in a band i play guitar i do this i do that and they've all written songs i recorded vocals for john ryan in his house in capel uh, for a little project he was doing and also for a band audition uh just to hang out with him it was a fucking cool cool time and he did he did an awesome job i love watching that guy sing but um, Rapid was there from Suffering Rot, the guitarist, and he had this stack of burnt CDs. He'd uh, recorded uh, demos for all these bands in Bunbury, like multiple bands, and he just had them on these blank CDs and he'd done it on his like Roland 16-track, multi-track fucking CD recorder. It's an old school piece of gear that I used to have. 2002, I had one of those. They sound cool, and I was amazed. They Each of them had at least enough for an EP, and you think... I've never heard of any of these bands. So many people are actually creating music and apparently they're, a lot of them are actually jamming and they're still a band. They just haven't started doing this fucking, you know, trying to get on labels and all this shit. They're just kind of doing it for themselves. And, you know, if you can, if you can pay once to do a recording that sounds good and pay an affordable amount of uh, money for it, then you've got that product forever to sell an infinite seemingly infinite amount of copies of a song or an album online yourself and like you mentioned ages ago there's that marketing thing is it 100 or a thousand dedicated fans or 10,000 
Oh, it depends what products we're talking. And, yeah, you know, let's pretend regardless. it's a, a yeah. thousand people, right? You sell one song to a thousand people, it's a thousand bucks. If you sell a thousand entire albums on CD and you've got even um, a smaller label and management taking cuts off that, you're not going to make a thousand dollars at all. So I reckon the power really is in the hands of the bands that are willing to upskill, you know, um, if it's three years between releases anyway, three years is a fucking long time. One guy can get good at promotion. One guy can get good at uh, music marketing and shit. One guy can be good at graphic design, design shirts and, and t-shirts and posters. And one girl can get good at recording, you know? And and it's, you start, you try something once. Like the first song you wrote wasn't Crash Hot, was it? Was it the best fucking thing ever? No, you had to do it once learn oh like at the time you go that kicked ass and then you go eh, actually i've improved since then and write a better song it's the same with anything we're only starting to get good after 10 years <laughs> yeah and maybe <laughs> maybe our songs are fucking just crap. possible like, who knows if they're shit or not it's not for us to decide we're happy with them but if we want to make money and fucking live off this and do all this crap our songs just have to have that whatever it may be and appeal to people but it's still in your hands. Whether your music's shit or not, it's dollar for dollar when you host it yourself. Yeah. And digital distribution is cheap as fuck by our, is it Reverb Nation? That's what we do. I was recently speaking to uh, Stuart McGill, brother of Ray, Razor Ray, um, <laughs> which, by the to. way, that Afghanistan stumping video, real good. Oh, yeah. The best. But, um, yes, Stu does his online digital distro with his band Silent Night through uh, shit. I think it's CD Baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me double check that. And if I'm wrong, I'll even if you are wrong in the show notes. The but irrelevant. The there's a variety of uh, options. Oh, it's not CD Baby. Something else. Anyway, there's a few of those uh, on the net. And it's pissing me off that I can't think of the name of this digital platform. But, but he was showing me and it's cost him, I don't know, it was like 50 bucks a year or something. And it's within a month, they've already sold more than that $50 cost. So already it's a a worthwhile um, endeavour to do. And then if, you know, if they're making 50 bucks a month, that, you know, that's a good couple of grand or, you know, two grand save. If that's what they make over a year, it's pretty good. And they're reaching those audiences. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that idea as well, because there is a Reverb Nation one as well, isn't it? Like 50 or 60 That's the bucks. one that we do, yeah. Yeah, and it's on um, iTunes and fucking yeah, They put it on Spotify. everything for you. you. I think even Amazon and Pandora's and, well, oh, maybe not Pandora, I don't know, a variety of stuff though and and you get your real-time reports. You can see, you know, when you're making sales and you just withdraw the money whenever you need to. And, and it's yeah. what I like about that is it's a fixed cost. So for one year, we're going to provide you with the service of putting all this fucking shit, all, all your music on all these sites. And yeah, iTunes takes a cut. Spotify definitely takes a cut. All these people take a cut. But again, it's that promo, do I want to reach a large audience? Or do I want to make my music available? Or do I stick it on, you know, just a free streaming SoundCloud? Or do I put it on Bandcamp? But the other cool thing is you can put things on Bandcamp and people can listen to it. And then they can buy it. And if you're happy to give it away for free, you decide your own price. Like the power is in your hands to decide those things. You can sell it on a track-by-track basis. You can sell it as as a collection of songs or whatever, as a pack. But then you've got the and more. And that's, you know, like at least your fans can also go, look, this is $0. I'll give them a buck. Yeah. 
like uh, Jim, my album of the week actually is this band called, In. I think it's pronounced Inferi. I don't know how the fuck to say it. But uh, Jim came over my house before he left for his last tour and we were chatting and we're on the computer and he said, hey man, you should check out this band. They're called, he couldn't remember it either. And we, we typed it in, we found it on Bandcamp and he was looking for it just so I could listen to it. And I was like, fuck that, five bucks or something. And I just bought it straight out. Because I trust Jim. Jim mm-hmm. says music's good. I don't do this sort of thing every time I just hear the name of a band. But he was that psyched on it that I just bought it and thought, fuck it. And then it was the, you know, let's say it was eight ninety nine. I don't know what it was. I just made it up to 10 because I thought, ah, fuck Round it. it up. Yeah. yeah. Like, it'll this will sort of cover me. If I never, ever buy anything from this band ever again, if we were talking about doing a subscription that's a dollar a month for a year, how much money I paid to them, you know? So there you go. And you get your product, you know what you're getting yeah. and all that. The, that digital distro thing of Silent Nights I was just talking about is TuneCore. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I have heard a bit about that as well, but I'd like to look into it a bit more. But um, that's what's so awesome about Bandcamp, I think, that, you know, pay more if you want option. Really cool. Yeah, it is. And a lot of us are from that old time where you'd go down to the music shop save up your pocket money of $5 a week for six weeks to buy Deftones around the Firth that the guy had to order in anyway because they didn't have it in Bunbury. So you got Seven Dust Home instead? Uh, No, no, no. I just waited for around the Firth. And um, yeah, Yeah. now that same album's probably... I remember buying albums off the net in about 2005-ish and they were 10 bucks an album and I went crazy on it because I thought for the same price as buying three CDs, I could buy 10 and then just fucking ordered them in heaps, you know, go down to JB's and, you know, find CDs from 15 to 20 bucks. And they're slowly getting cheaper and cheaper. Yeah. And I think they get cheaper as bands have less involvement with labels mm. and yeah. then more of the money goes to the band. Yeah. Well, some CDs at JB Hi-Fi are up to $40 if they're imported, whereas you could just buy it online from the band and then you're supporting them, you know, rather than, um, you know, some of the money going to elsewhere. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people know that now. And yeah, yeah. most of the time, unless you want to get something immediately, you'll generally want to get it direct from the band. And most people have been educated enough to know that there are other costs and the band will make the most when you get it from their website, although postage costs are a bitch. Yeah, but Metalhead's also like the good thing about, well, a lot of them are collectors, so they like to have the CD rather than just getting it on iTunes or whatever. So that's also really a lot of the time, yeah. supportive. Mm. Um. I like what you were saying before. We've had that discussion maybe last week even of where people, um, you know, musos have the time to upskill themselves and each band member can have a, a specialty that, you know, that they can do their recording or their marketing or whatever. But back onto Suffer and Rot, do you think any of those toothless freaks <laughs> know how to be involved in marketing whatsoever? Uh, they, I don't... they wouldn't know a lot, I don't think, back in the day perhaps. <laughs> just just roll with me here. <laughs> And then you said how Rapid had all those blank CDs just of shit that's been recorded. I remember when Suffering Rock burst onto the scene and they had their burnt copies of their demos yeah. and they had their little business cards in there as well. And I think <laughs> all of that was actually really clever and paid off for them. They would have, then they started getting more gigs and then they start taking themselves more seriously and start doing proper recording and now they have an album out and they're regularly playing gigs and they're almost a, a pretty big they're deal pretty in well the Perth known. Metal scene. Yeah. Um, and over that time, <laughs> probably all the other band members are just specialising in certain things and it's just something that you can gradually learn and I just think it's cool. Well, I like their attitude towards demoing. 
Like they get it done. They have, they're not programming drums like our demos are all programmed drums uh, because we can do it in our house without making any sound and put a song together. But those guys have the electric kit going and they plug it straight into the four track or whatever. And, and then they track over the top of that and they might even do it as a whole band in one hit. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. Mm. And it's just get it done, get it sort of leveled so it sounds, so, you know, the guitars aren't like super way too loud or anything like that. And you get a, an idea of the song and that's it, that's done. And they pass that around. Burnt CDs, fuck me. They're like one cent each. You know, it doesn't cost that much. You burn them off. It does take a while to burn. But if you're just drawing the band name on, you know, easy as, easy it as pie. it completely suits their it's style fine. anyway. It's so, so and, good. And that particular one, they only had three songs on it that went for each song was about two or three minutes long. Yeah. yeah. I remember when we got copies of that and we would end up getting more than one copy per person as well. And you'd be handing them out. We were cranking them at home all the time yeah. and just going, <laughs> listen to these fucking vocals. Yeah. And it's all it took for them. Just... Put it on a burnt Just, CD, yeah. write your band name on it and be a good cunt when you give them out. Make people laugh and just be friendly. Did you used to do that back in the day? Uh, yes. Um, when we had only The Brave Return. Did you do demos before that album? No. I, we that did, album we did. sounds like a demo. <laughs> our demos probably sounded better than the album did actually. <laughs> but the demos we did, um, our drummer at the time, Brenton, had um just he had pro tools and a what do you have an inbox or something like that and yeah. we were just me him and ollie would literally go into someone's bedroom and play a couple of songs through and With record the everyone room. at the same time uh i think no How'd I, think you get we, drums? I think we might must have been one or two mics on drum kit one on the, the guitar amp and one on the bass cab and one vocal ollie playing bass i'll go through and see if i can find him and if, uh, oh, if I can, we'll so play him good. on the podge. Yeah, that'd be cool. Ollie playing bass, I'm pretty sure, when he yeah. first started. And then he moved to guitar huh, when we got Jim. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I can't remember what we did with them. I don't think we went out handing them out to people, but we did use them. I scarily may have sent them to some labels, which could explain a lot nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> when people get up, more claim the throne in the mail, they go, this fucking quote-unquote band again. That's what um, we always used to do back in the back in the old days. You'd rock up to a show and fuck, I remember the first Monchi's CD that we were handing out. We, I think we just printed out off an ink, inkjet printer and glued fucking labels onto it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you could just pass it around and it was it was all cool. Some fucking idiots would try and charge you money for their shitty demos, but you know, even a couple of bucks was all right just to hear a band that you may have liked. Yeah. You know, but man, I remember coming home from shows with tons of CDs and stuff. Always a little bit annoying, but you like to carry them around, I mean. But, you know, it was also awesome to just have a copy of all these bands that you used to watch on a regular basis. Well, I've still got a shitload of them now. Yeah. Uh, in my CD collection, just a pile of crappy demos. And they're things that, I don't know, I never really have the heart to throw them out, I guess. Mm. I'm going through a cleanup and I'll look at them and I'll go, I'll just pile that there but then you do actually see the band name again when you're going through it every few years even and you go i remember that band and what's insane about that is we paid 500 dollars to do i think it was a two track demo with this friend of ours you know recorded the drums in fucking one take each no click track the guitarists and bass were just multi-track just like we all do today in recording studios and the vocalists would come in and do it this guy would mix and master it and then that's it. 
And with the exact same technology, absolutely nothing different, the shit that we're recording through right now costs maybe a quarter of the price, is like the way more advanced version of what was around back then. And with all these digital tools you can use with like sound replacement for drums, you know, um, free plugins and free, instead of buying Pro Tools or Logic or whatever, you can spend $60 and get a copy of Reaper, hashtag Reaper is not free. And you've got yourself a really like sweet ass album. And it wouldn't surprise me if that band Inferior we're listening to recorded in just a bloody bedroom because it doesn't sound like that high qual, but everything's there. It does a good job of getting the point of the band across and that you could do it for 500 fucking dollars. And back then they were demos to us um, because the knowledge, the internet wasn't, you know, type in how do I mic up a fucking cabber? Yeah, the how-to age hadn't arrived just yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. And man, it's fucking amazing what you can actually do for the cheap. So yeah, yeah. I really do appreciate bands like Suffering Rot who do that sort of stuff. And Absolutely, yeah. See, that to me is inspiring for sure. Yeah, and it's in their local scene. So they're not sending away 500 copies of their demo to bloody um, Melbourne to pass around. They wait until their actual professional CDs out and then they get a little bit of promo and distro out of that and they haven't toured yet. They're doing Hamasonic soon, which, you know, regardless of how much money you make or lose doing Hamasonic, that's a fucking experience playing with enormous bands from around the world to 10,000 people is pretty awesome. But in terms of over Eastern stuff, they won't go there until they get an idea that they've got a show that's going to have a decent a decent turnout, by which I mean 80 to 100 people, and, and then they'll make a decision from there. Mm -hmm. So, I think, yeah, what you were talking about before asking of, you know, whether it's the 100 or the 1,000 people, if you have a, you know, a small but loyal fan base rather than a huge but not so loyal fan base, a band such as them might have 100 people in Perth who are just, you know, really big supporters of the band and every one of those 100 people would fork out the 20 bucks for their a copy of their physical CD mm. or a shirt or something, <clears throat> they'll, uh, when they start their touring, when it's the right time, they'll go to Hammersonic. They'll do well there. Even if they get another 50 to 100 loyal fans, that's it. When they move, go over to East and they play to 80 or 100 people, they'll get another you know, 20, 30 solid fans in each state that they go to and it builds up and before you know it, you've got 1,000 around the world and there's your 1,000 fans times 30 bucks each time you release an album and it'll keep growing. The more you tour, the more you release. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, over at facebook.com slash claim the throne, we've just had a question uh, for the podcast from one. Uh, uh, he's from a German metal band called Regel, and his name is Rigel Walsh, and he's asked <laughs> for a variety of ways on uh, to enjoy a cold can of export. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Way number one, hide it in Dyson's house. Yeah, that's definitely right. Way yeah. number two, get Dyson to throw it over the fence. Way number three, pour an esky full of them into the pool while Dyson's <laughs> trying to swim. There's so many ways to enjoy a cold can of export, hey, Usually that don't include drinking distortion. it. Yeah. <laughs> Usually involves Dyson, the yeah, biggest, world's biggest hater of export. For some reason, I don't get it. No, you me think neither. Because it's because right it's, it's hipster. Oh, because, so since it's become hipster, he hates it. Yeah, yeah. Like, How long has it been hipster for, though? Uh, a couple of years. Solid, a solid few years because with that hipster thing. I didn't thing, even know that. Hey, these guys go to the shop and buy uh, op shop and buy cheap ass clothing to look like street rats, and they buy export and goon because it is cheap and it gets you maggot quick, but it also gives the perception that you're some fucking 
you don't give a fuck, you're out there to get maggot and get loose. And that's that hipster culture, much in the same way that I used to drink fuck loads of VB. Yeah, because I would mm. get it for 50 Zash was cents a hipster. A, I was a hipster. <laughs> 50 cents a fucking can while I was working at the bottler and I'd just get 10 cans for five bucks. And also why I used to drink Foster's for a while there because three packs of Foster's long necks were $11. Mm. Isn't that that's disgusting good. though? Foster's flop. Oh, it's cheap beer, it's you know. Beer, yeah, yeah. Like export's gross, but any beer that's cold <laughs> will get you drunk. The fact mm. that you can go to a classy ass bar now in Perth and get a can of shitty export for mm. ten dollars for one can when you used to be able to get probably an entire block of export for ten dollars. That is the sign I think that my it pop is hipster. still drinks export. Yeah, but he's probably a legit hipster. good cunt. Hey. Oh. Not not a hipster. <laughs> People will drink export for a Differing reasons, I'm sure. Thanks to Rigel for inspiring that little discussion yeah. there. All right. To get uh, back onto the topic of music. I was going to talk about how we um, are going to change our name so we can play in South Africa. Oh, yeah. We'll have a giggle about that this morning. The Metal Sucks article today about uh, a bunch of bands who are going to tour there in South Africa. Whether they get a lot of bands there, not too sure. But uh, they're not allowed into the country allegedly with satanic or anti-Christian type names, which obviously most metal bands do have. Do we have some examples of those names? Uh, Can there you was remember them? Deicide, who changed to Decide. Decide. <laughs> Goat Whore changed to Boat Tour. Heaven oh. Shall Burn was Heaven Shall fucking something else. or I can't remember. Pretty funny though. I don't think we'd have that problem if we were in there because we don't sound satanic in any any way. But Yeah, but we could change our name to be more satanic. Oh, okay. So then we don't have... Don't go there because mm-hmm. we're not going there anyway. Well, unless we get a tour, but that's not going to happen until the album's released. So just for fun, we could change we our name. To? I don't know. Me either. I got nothing. Me neither. My stomach hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the crap. From the Jaeger, I think. Oh. oh, heaven shall burn as Evan. Evan shall burn. Evan shall burn. <laughs> I hate God. I hates crod. <laughs> what even? What even is that? Probably some sort of in joke. Nuns laughter oh, instead not of nuns slaughter. slaughter. Nun's laughter. <laughs> that's great. I don't know whether that's all one big tour or whether this is just a collection of names. I wonder if it's just a troll and it's not actually happening. Oh, either way, it's humorous. Either way, yeah. I would really like to go to South Africa to play though. Why is that? I don't know. I just want to play everywhere. Because you haven't been there before and yeah. you want to? Yeah, I'd like to go there. Maybe we should just book a... An African tour? Yeah. 2017. Can we go on a safari? Can we play on one of those... Metal Safari. Yeah, Metal Safari. That's a new thing. What if no one's probably done that before. through a safari tour and we were like hiding in the woods like, or members of Immortal? Or, yeah, yeah. We, or we did a video when we go to Africa and then there's, you know, lions and stuff in wow. the background. While we Would we do it in Kenya or Uganda <laughs> or Ethiopia? None of us. We'd have to not eat if we went to Ethiopia. Yeah, I'd feel so bad. Yeah, I don't know what the booze situation is like over there. Lose some weight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, shit. Speaking of booze. Oh, what's this? Cheers, cunts. <laughs> but they enjoy it. But Thank you. Ash, since you've just done a crap and got us drinks, can you tell us about what <laughs> the fuck we're talking into? There's all mic stands and different uh, shit in here. This is podcast. Like podcast number three. Oh, so, yeah. welcome to the Claim Throne Blodcast. We're actually talking through uh, an SM58 standing. Nerds, hey. a, oh, is that yeah. what you did? Oh, That's you guys are we noobs. I think people are occasionally interested in that, aren't they? Nah. Well, that's the thing. At the, at the time, <laughs> I would be. The, at the time, I was interested in that stuff because that's largely how I used to. <laughs> pardon the pun. That's how I used to 
learn. It was from podcasts. I discovered a podcast called The Home Recording Show. They started off their podge in the same way. They're like, oh, yes, I'm talking through this and this. And at the time, I'm feverishly writing it down mm-hmm. going, his voice sounds good. I want to know how his vocal chain yep. is going. Then like episode 15, the guy buys a new microphone, actually an SM7B, exactly what I'm talking on right now. And they did a whole segment on how good this fucking microphone is. And he trialed it on all sorts of different things. And So how come you get the good microphone then? These very mics that we're speaking on now. We bought because we wanted the podcast to sound better because originally, nerd alert, uh, we had a one condenser mic that we used to record the entire vocals and acoustic guitars on Claim a Throne with and we just sit that one mic in front of me and Cabba and it was so sensitive it would pick up everything in the room as well as our voices, you know what I mean? It was mm. just, it sounded really noisy and blah, blah, blah. So we got these mics because they're broadcast mics. So Cabba's got the Rode Procaster, I believe. Yeah, it um, is. The it's Rode a Procaster. Yep. Yeah. And you can get the more advanced version of that has like a USB output on it. But because Cab has got his Focusrite uh, recording interface, he doesn't need that shit. So he saved the money and got the Procaster. And I've got the SM7B probably because of the home recording show, but also because like Cannibal Corpse use them in the studio and why the fuck not? Mm. So, yeah. Anyway, three microphones, three stands. We're sitting in a triangle. Yeah, it just looks a bit pro. Yeah, didn't it Procaster yeah. didn't do it because we're, but well, because I'm trying to do some cool sound thing and special mic technique. I actually mic'd up like this so we could be comfortable and look at each other. So it's more it's like nice. a conversation. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fuck off, Ash. <sighs> I miss Jim. I miss Jim too. Where the fuck is he? Alaska. Oh, who knows? Yeah, he's in Alaska right now with his girlfriend. Uh-huh. Ooh. Really? Lisa, I just thought he was gay. So now he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> Maybe she has a penis. <laughs> nah, I'm sure she's beautiful. Uh, um, of course not, Randy. You're beautiful. <laughs> he's yeah. living the dream now, isn't he? He yeah. really is. It's been a gradual process for him. And well, finally, he may just be touring the world all his life. Something you guys don't know about is that I've actually been subscribing to Jim for the last three oh, years. Okay, yeah. So he's actually been able to take some time off from his busy life drinking and doing cocaine <laughs> and um, he can spend some time in Alaska throwing snowballs. Yeah, yeah. So, While we're all working hard, slaving away. I love snow, hey? I yeah, love snow too. Fair. Do you remember that time when we were in America? I can't remember which, which place it was now, but we just ran outside because it started Rochester. snowing. And I didn't, yeah, and I didn't, it was Rochester, right? And that girl was really wasted. Remember that? She oh, threw yeah. up. She and was so drunk. Sec. Yeah, she was so drunk and then I'm getting off topic. She went into the toilets, vomited her guts up (laughs) Mm. and then went on stage and she was still really sloshed. I think that's the drunkest I've ever seen anybody. (laughs) It was impressive. It was so good. And then didn't someone like Dicey hook up with her or something? No. No. He broke up her relationship or something. No, she's married now to that person. So let's hope that (laughs) the members of Throne of Wilderness aren't listening right now. (laughs) But yeah, we're not. Anyway, what I was going to say is we ran outside when it was snowing and we just made these giant snowballs and like did snow angels and and all the people that were in the the venue came running out and were filming us and laughing and taking photos because they thought how amazing it was these people who've never seen snow before. And then they were like, wow, we really should appreciate it more often. Yeah, That's my story. I remember in... um my highlight of that American trip, going to Niagara Falls when it was snowing that and icy and oh, shit. That was so good. Trying to hit that seagull. Oh, how long we spent just throwing bits of ice. How fucking <laughs> constantly close was I getting though oh. with my throat? <laughs> Why the hell were we doing oh, that? I'll never forget the moment of just running through the snow with Jim. Yeah, that was and cool. And just him Bounding. not being able to 
wipe the smile off his face, which I don't even know what is funny about it. Just like wearing big baggy clothes and how much your feet sink into the snow. Yeah, because you guys were sinking like 30 centimetres, so you literally had to bound through the snow. <laughs> yeah, and I had it was photos all of fresh. that. Like, that was cool, eh? And you you did that as well. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not as cool. But I have photos of all three of you running through and it's like it captures the moment pretty well. Yeah. We've got to keep them. Real good. We just get fucking dirty sand over here in Capel, eh? It's not that good. In Capel. Capel. <laughs> Speaking of Capel, we should cruise down to John Rion's place and yeah. hang out. Because his talk marketing man, his house is fucking cool. He's like, mate, anything you need, and like, I was like, man, this is awesome. And the room was really cool. And then he made some spaghetti bolognese and just (laughs) really hospitable. And Rapids like in there playing Xbox with the kids while to keep (laughs) that's so cool. Keep them occupied while John was doing vocals. It was really fucking awesome. I like how they. It seems like they're a little family as well. You know, some bands that have that. I remember when Owen got engaged to his now wife. Like, guys, drunk dudes from the scene cruise up. Hear about Owen? It's all over, man. He's fucking engaged now. He's he's going to be out of music and blah, blah, because most guys used to do that. They'd get married and you'd literally never see him again. But, yeah, he played in the band for another five years after that mm. until he actually literally had to move away from the city to but quit he's still doing music. He it's still does like it all the time. He's got no lack of he musical is. output. And the crazy thing is... Is that he, well? The irony is that he's actually still doing music more regularly and more actively releasing things mm. than all the people that came up to me and said his <laughs> life's over. You know? Yeah. It's just perceptions hilarious, eh? He's one sick dick. Episode thirty-seven of the Clam Throne Blodgecast. We talked with Dean Arnold, who we played with in uh, in Canada and the US from Primal Frost, and then he joined Vital Remains, which is a bit of a bloody huge story in itself. Uh, but today they just announced another tour in uh, through America. With Hate so. Eternal. Yeah. Yeah, Vital Remains and Hate Eternal. Pretty happy for Dean. That's all. That's yeah, the whole story. Yeah, he's a nice guy. I am so keen to hear their new album because just to hear his input on it is going to blow my fucking mind. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. And I reckon he is going to blow up after that because remember there was that young girl that played guitar for Michael Jackson? She's from Adelaide, that girl. Yeah. Well, he's like 19 years old playing the most shreddingest shit but also writing it as well. It's going to be fucking incredible for him. And also their drummer who, and this is an interesting thing, talk about a new revolution, James Payne. He played for, fuck, what are their names? Hour of Penance. Mm -hmm. And he was on the Cannibal Corpse tour. And he's a pretty young guy, but his sort of first uh, foray into the international music community was him and his buddy had like a reality YouTube show called Drum Brothers, or I think it was called Drum Brothers. And they moved into a house together. Pretty sure they either quit their jobs or took took leave off work and then they'd challenge each other to learn a song by the end of the week and they'd show you how they were practicing to get it and they'd show you them their first attempt to play it. The One guy would give the other guy like feedback on it and then they'd reconvene at the end of the week and then play a final version of their song. And it got a fair few hits and they were really consistent. They did episodes. I'm not sure how many, but I watched a bunch of them. A bunch of them? A bunch of them. <laughs> And, um, yeah, from there, he's suddenly touring Hour of Penance and then jumped into Vital Remains. And that's a fucking interesting yeah. way of, of going about it. Not that I expect to be at that level at all, but just thinking about that, I wish that we had done that when we were writing Cabba. I wish that when I was coming over and we were writing songs, we had recorded it and, like, blodged it or something. Do you know what I mean? Okay. You know, just the process and 
how funny it was <laughs> and maybe filming it just for future references and yeah, stuff, which we didn't DVDs really do. or something. Yeah, yeah and okay, even though, when we were not recording like we're in, stop in, any of that in the future, I'd hope. Yeah, yeah. But um, even when we were using the studio at the Hen House, we didn't really do any of that stuff either. You know, we kind of just... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that stuff's always good in hindsight and we, you always have plans sort of leading up to things or if we're going on tour I always bring a GoPro or I we never bring, use it. bring our recording equipment our to podcast instead. on tour or go into recording we have all these plans but in reality you're really focused on what you're doing and you know when you're writing you you know you, you're if you're focused on it and you but as soon as you start doing that stuff where you're trying to record it or take too many photos or anything like that you just lose track of what you're doing and it's probably yeah. not as effective as it can be and in a room like this too you'd need to set up to make it not look like it was budget as hell. I like budget as hell. Go Well, GoPros are all, are all good, right? They're really cool. But if the lighting isn't that crash hot, maybe the more expensive ones are just better. But if the lighting's not that crash hot, it's really pixelated and looks like Nokia footage, you know, pre-iPhone video footage. So you'd need to well light this room. And then to hear the sort of nuances a little bit, you'd need a microphone, at least one, just to pick up what you guys are actually saying. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of that sort of footage is awesome for us to watch back, but it's hard to connect people without having the values where they can pick up because they don't have our in-jokes and humor and shit like that. So, yeah. And to do that, you'd literally need to plan to do it in... In the sense that you'd, as soon as you rock up to do your writing session, you set up the cameras, you get them looking good, and then you just do a big session. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be a cool thing to do for the future and for always, but definitely you need some guy to just fucking just do it, which. Yeah. Maybe we can do a Patreon campaign to fund having one a tech digital person. tech guy that just follows us around everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Or we could just try and sell a few CDs to pay for it. Uh, or we could just get someone to do it for free me. just to come with yeah. us and have fun, like Barker. Yeah. But he's got a Floyd. mortgage now, so he probably wouldn't. He's also got a beard, though, so he'll be sweet. Yeah. yeah, true. We've been talking for fucking ages, so let's wrap this cunt up. Lesson of the day, not yet, not even a lesson, but I've had a bit of feedback lately on this podcast of people saying they enjoy it because they can chuck it in their headphones and it feels like they're just listening to their friends speak when they're at work. Like oh, that's They're really still nice. hanging out with people. Mm. I found that quite heartwarming. I was touched. <laughs> yeah it's i listen to it sometimes when usually just to double check that the episodes come out all right to make sure that the levels aren't crazy because we put this we really do slap this together after we don't really take too much time of um uh like proper levels and shit i don't know how to explain it. it's boring Let's start again <laughs> i listen to it sometimes just to check if everything's all sweet with it and end up listening to the whole episode because I do remember hanging out and I forget half the shit we're talking about. So yeah, I like to listen to it before advertising it too much because I just in sometimes case I'm shit. like I'm about to tell the entire world about to listen to this podcast, but I can't remember whether I gave shit to Dicey's Someone. age too much and then Ash didn't edit it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> For you, it must be nerve wracking. Hey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Thanks. Cheers. Chat to you again soon. Thanks for listening for so fucking long. If you are still listening, you deserve a medal. And you will get one. It's called The Lake. Down the shimmering lake, pound the sludgy earth, neath the glimmering stars, hear the water sing. Down the shimmering lake, pound.
find you we'll meet again www.claimthethrone.com motherfuckers so when those troubles find you we'll meet again down at lake lunacon so when those troubles find you See you.